Hi, this is Donna Otto, and we are Modern Homemakers. I'm so glad to be a part of Modern Homemakers, and glad that you've come to join us. And I've told you this recently, many times, the website is dancing and singing, and there are so many new things. And I've discovered, because there's so many new things that I want to tell you about, I feel like I've spent too much of our podcasting time talking about stuff. So I'm committing to less than 60 seconds about the new organizational class is up. You can buy parts of it, the whole thing. Go on there and find out. The Easter eggs are up. You can do that. Look for the week of week resources and the Easter basket week of week and free resources and get ready for Easter. And don't forget the Instagram. Sign up for Instagram. Follow us so we can respond to you. We don't care if you follow us, but if you want us to respond to some of the things you're letting us know as you follow us, you need to sign up for it so we know and can respond to you. Okay, that's it. Did I do it in 60 seconds? I hope so because I'm done. This is such a wonderful time. I wish all of your faces, I wish all of us were in one room. And I've, I've said this many times over the years of my public speaking and writing books and all the stuff I've been privileged to do. My favorite thing is sitting across from someone with a cup of coffee or tea and just talking. If I could get that scenario with all of you thousands of listeners all around the world, oh, I'd be the happiest girl in town. But I think someday we might not have the coffee because I don't really know what heaven's going to have. But if it has drinks, I'm sure it'll have coffee. And then we'll be able to sit across from one another for eternity. Some years ago, the whole concept of Easter was really pressed upon me. I said when we were together last time, it was in 1977, that I wrote The Week of Weeks, presented by the Oak Brook Christian Center Sunday School. I was a writer even in those days, and I didn't know it. But what I did was really quite powerful in that I set aside what's very clear in the scripture. I still have never seen anybody call it the week of weeks. Maybe they have, and I've missed it. But I, for these years that I have taken the time myself, and I did that for some years before I began talking about it and offering resources, it has really been life-changing. And you know, psychologists will tell us that there are cycles in our life, and sometimes if you lose someone to death, and even it's nine years later, and your grieving is certainly different, grieving goes on forever, but your, your grieving is different. There's something that happens to you in the spring of the year when they died, and it's just a sense and that our body has rhythms to it, and like our mind has rhythms to it, like our days have rhythms to it. And so I think it's a rhythm that we get ourselves into. And for me, this rhythm has been with keen anticipation. Uh, with keen anticipation. In January and February, I, I'm anticipating these days set aside for preparing for Easter. Call them Lent, call them Easter prep, call them whatever you want to. Count them out 70, 47, 40, whatever you want to do, just setting aside some time. And now we are down to the clock because Easter is about 10 days away. So I want to just remind you, moms particularly, women, who tend to be the keeper of what goes on for holidays, 
just of some really practical things about Easter. Like, where did the word Easter come from? How do we, why do we celebrate in the spring? Is the Easter bunny for real? Why do you have dyed eggs and jelly beans? And women always ask me, what do you do with the Easter bunny and the kids? And what about Santa Claus? And do you believe in them? And I say, I don't believe in them. I believe in Jesus Christ. But do I practice them? You betcha. Um, do you believe in Mickey Mouse? But you go to Disneyland and you wear a Mickey Mouse watch and, and Donald Duck and Huey and Louie and Dewey. I mean, they're just, that's all they are. So don't make your kids odd by extracting those things from them, but set the tone of where they fit. Set the tone of where they fit. So I'm not going to spend too much time, but Easter came because out of an Anglo-Saxon word, which was about the goddess of spring, and so Easter fell in. Then the Council of Churches in 325 decided that Christ's resurrection would coincide in the spring season. And then, of course, Easter eggs have to do with the culture and life and fertility and symbol. And then why do we dye eggs? We don't know why we dye eggs. It's, dying seems like a part of the primitive cultures. They brought good luck or bad luck, and red eggs possess some kind of power. Then in China, and then in Russia, and dyed eggs and painted eggs, and, and then where's the bunny? And my husband will tell you that bunnies are the most fertile animal in the world. We live on a piece of property that has a lot of grass and a lot of flowers, and especially at springtime in Arizona. But the reality is these Easter bunnies, they just multiply under the bushes, and it's really hard for us to contain them, to contain them so we can keep our flowers and vegetables. We have vegetable um, planters that are three feet high so that the bunnies can't get in them to eat them. So all of this stuff is all just a part of the stuff. And then what are, what are the new clothes tradition? The new clothes tradition. When I think of all these pieces, eggs, and bunnies, and baskets, and candy, and new clothes, all of that is, is what the culture tells you Easter is about. Easter is about. And I was thinking about this, that at least at Christmas, which is another very important occasion in the church, we have the baby in the manger, we have the star of wonder, we have Christmas carols, we have three wise men, and sometimes we can actually find light and candles and things that represent. But at Easter, we don't. there are no symbols except the cross, and often the cross becomes more an artsy, crafty kind of piece instead of with some sacredness. So the new clothes um, had a lot to do with the church that at Easter and um, what is what I'm trying to say, Good Friday, um, there was often baptismal services. And baptismal services meant that we wore white robes and we looked special. And so consequently came the idea. So all of these things are just a part of it. I have to tell you that as a child growing up, my mother made a huge deal out of Easter. And this last few weeks I've been thinking about it. And I honestly think that my association with new clothes was my mother and father were married for a very short time, and they, we never had any extra money. And then after they were divorced, my mother had even less money. 
my, I always got a new dress for Easter. And sometimes I wore it under my winter coat because we grew up in Chicago. And so I had this pretty little pink frock and maybe a hat to go with it and little white gloves. But I certainly didn't get to wear it until I took off my heavy coat because it was often snowy and cold at Easter, especially if it was an early Easter. And to this day, I want to have, and I don't go to the store and buy something new for Easter. I'll tell you, I haven't told anybody this. I'm knitting something for me to wear on Easter. Okay, that's all. Because the reality of it getting finished for Easter is probably slim to none. But I started making this because I wanted to and I like to knit. And then I thought, well, I could have that finished and wear it for Easter. So now you know more about me than you wanted to know. Palm Sunday is coming, and it's the part that allows us to start this week of weeks. So what is Palm Sunday about? Matthew 20, verses 18 and 19. He says, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and will deliver him to the Gentiles to mock, scourge, and crucify him. And on the third day, he will be raised up. That is going to Jerusalem. Did Jesus have a chance to change his mind and not go to Jerusalem? He did. He absolutely did. And we know of this garden experience. If you've been in the church at all, you know that he cried out, if there's a chance for me not to go through with this, I like it, God, because he knew what was coming. Max Lucado, in a book that he calls The Final Week of Jesus, and says, forget any suggestions that Jesus was trapped. Erase any theory that Jesus made a miscalculation. Ignore any speculation that the cross was the last-ditch attempt to salvage a dying mission. For if these words tell us anything, they tell us that Jesus died on purpose. No surprise, no hesitation, and no faltering. I love that. I, I'm very um, secure in those words. I'm very secure that this isn't a happenstance. And suddenly a group of people caught him up guard. It was prophesied in the Old Testament. David spoke of it. Isaiah spoke of it. There are as many prophecies about the life and death and resurrection of Jesus as there are about his birth. So he comes into Jerusalem. He comes in boldly, proudly. And more than that, it becomes triumphant. I have had the great privilege of being in those lands where Jesus lived and walked. And this little hill that comes up over the city, over Jerusalem, and and Jerusalem is in these beautiful buildings, and now the Rock of the Dome is there, beautiful glitters with gold in the sunlight. And there are valleys and hills all around. And Jerusalem is a very important place for a lot of people in the past, present, and future. And when you come into the city, you're, you're kind of on a hill and you look down. And, and it is believed that somewhere on those hills is where Jesus wept over the city of Jerusalem. But he willingly comes in. And when you get to Bethany, have you ever been to San Francisco on the crookedest street? This always comes to my mind. I was there when I was a girl the first time, and my mother took us there. And it's a, a hill in San Francisco. There are a lot of hills. And it's a crooked street. It just goes zig, 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 zig. I don't know how many bends there are in it, but there are eight or nine or ten of them. And children just love going down them, and there are beds of flowers all around them. 
And that's about the size of a hill. And that gives me that feeling. And he, Jesus, starts coming in with his disciples. And they start celebrating him. Surprising. A celebration that was a surprise. And the surprise was that he had come to the city and they threw their jackets and their clothes and their everything. And they left it there to say, basically, well done, well done. We are so glad that you came. We are so glad that you told us. We recognize that there was healings. This was deep calculation on his part as to what was to come. The disciples tried to talk him out of it, but he would have none of it. So this Palm Sunday is coming. It's an opportunity for you to go to church. If you don't go to church regularly, you know what I want to say to you? Consider going on Palm Sunday and don't go on Easter. There's a little phrase pastors use about people who only come to church on Easter and Christmas. Um, my dad is like that, and I do everything I can to make sure he gets to go to church on Christmas or Easter. But the, if you're like that and you're not practicing a fellowship, a community of believers in a church, and I, I would love to convince you to change that practice, but could you consider going this year, instead of going on Easter, go on Palm Sunday, and then take what we offer to you on your own, through the week of weeks and begin to see what this week actually looks like in the life of Christ. He comes in to Jericho, uh, from Jericho, I should say. He's on a donkey. You can read this found in Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11. Who's the owner of the donkey? In Zechariah, the Old Testament, it is the Lord is in need of it. And, and he prophesied that they would say, the Lord is in need of your donkey. Give me your donkey. And and he does. I love, I think it's a Corey Tim Boone. That's quite a thought of her in the last few weeks. I think it's her who said, when Jesus was coming in to Jerusalem down the hill from Bethany, do you think the donkey thought it was about him? <laughs> I love that little picture, like a talking donkey, perhaps. <laughs> and he's saying, Whoo, everybody likes me. Hosanna, praises to the Lord. Palms being thrown down, a sign of respect. No, it was not about the donkey. And in the Old Testament, in the Psalms, it says that if you don't praise me, the stones will cry out. He sees the city and he shows his compassion with tears. This is an intentional trip into the city. He does not hide out. He does not come incognito. He comes into the city prepared for what is the will of God for him. And then comes all these days. So next week we're going to talk about them very clearly. But there's Monday, and that's where the money changers scene happens. And then there's Tuesday. And then there's a fig tree, and that's why in your basket there's a fig. And then on Wednesday, the sellers think it was a right, kind of a quiet day, but there's the alabaster bottle that is poured over him as an anointing. And then on Thursday, they get ready for the Passover dinner, the Thursday night dinner when the new covenant is released. Oh, what a wonderful day it is to read all of the passages and the talk about God's intent for Jesus, his son. And then Friday, 
a difficult day. I, one of the things that always comes to my heart is what it must have been like for Mary. Mary, who had this immaculate conception, who was there at his birth. And then how many of us who are mothers would ever want to be at their son's death in the way that Jesus was killed. And then there is the Saturday quiet, the Saturday quiet. Some churches have a Saturday vigil where they wait like a vigil. You know, we so often have vigils these days when some horrific thing happens, like the Florida school massacre or the Las Vegas massacre. Then we light candles and we have a vigil just waiting with the suffering. And that's what they were doing. They were waiting with the suffering. Jesus had told them they had three days and the church would be rebuilt, but they didn't get it. And they didn't have a whole Bible full of instructions like we have to make us understand what that looked like. And then comes Sunday, and there's that wonderful old piece. What's his name? Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming. Oh, I can't say his name. This is Friday. Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming. You could probably find it at that. It's worth watching. It's very bombastic and loud, and he has a a cadence to the speech, which is electrifying, period. And that Sunday is noisy. Sunday is a noisy day. Saturday is a quiet day, and Sunday is a noisy day. And then Easter is over, and we take up our lives again for another year. So I am praying for all of you that this next few days you will take a portion of it, any one piece of it, and actively put yourself into the situations that would allow you to reflect and think about what actually happened centuries ago that changed the course of the earth and changed the course of you. And if you have never had an opportunity to have your own course changed by these effects and by the love of Jesus Christ, I pray that this next week will give you opportunity and that you will carve out time to read the Bible, to pray, to do any sacrificial thing you can in your own community for the love of Christ. We are modern homemakers, and as you can tell, I'm quite passionate about the Passion Week the week of weeks, the holy week that is set before us. Take advantage of any or all of it that you can. Don't forget that there are church services all through the week. Oh, I'm so glad I reminded myself of this. Uh, The service that I particularly love is called Mondi. I'm not sure why that word is. M-A-U-N-D-Y. And if you live in a community where there are liturgical churches, and you may not be a part of them, that's okay. And if you feel awkward in going there, you might call the church first and say, is it okay if visitors come on Monday, Thursday, just to participate? But the church does two things on that night, and my husband and I have visited a church in our community because we don't belong to a liturgical church um, that said, yes, please come. And we've been coming since we moved here 35, 40 years ago. And there are two things that happen. One is there's a message about the communion, the Last Supper. And then there's a foot washing. Literally, the pastors and the leaders of the church wash anyone who wants to come forward and have, they don't wash both feet usually, just one foot. And I recommend your feet be clean before you go. And and so there's the foot washing. And then there's something that's very powerful because it's very uh, graphic. 
and they begin to change what is in front of the church. So if they have candles on the table, they take the candles away. If there are flowers, they take the flowers away. If there's whatever there is to draw attention to God and worship in church, they take it all away, and then they dim the lights. So there's this pretty place with flowers and candles and lectern and Bibles and stuff, crosses, and they take it all away very systematically, very orderly, very quietly. And as they're taking it away, the lights start to dim. And then, ooh, the sanctuary is dark, and we're asked to leave the church in quiet. It's a very powerful experience. Maybe you can do it yourself in your own home. Maybe you have a place that's like a worship center where you have a candle, and maybe you've been celebrating or preparing for the basket, and now it's Thursday, and it's time to do something tangible to remember that this week of weeks changed the course of mankind in this universe. We are Modern Homemakers, and I am Donna Otto signing off again, I think twice in one show. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make it a very uncommon day of remembering.